Welcome to the Refined Podcast with Amber Anderson, where wedding planners like you come to be encouraged and challenged through radical honesty, tough love, and brilliant ideas. As a former personal trainer turned wedding planner and now educator, Amber is known for helping wedding planners grow through her no BS yet considerate and thoughtful approach. The Refined Podcast tackles the issues you think about but fear bringing up, all with Amber's trademark sass and wit. So as you listen, be sure to hit that subscribe button, making sure you never miss that one little nugget that could change it all for you. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Refine Podcast. This week, I have my friend and fellow industry leader, Megan Healy, and I'm so excited to talk with you today about um, OFT consulting and all that you are doing in our industry to um, help us be leaders ourselves and grow and scale in that way. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and um, OFD as a whole, and then let's dive into a fun conversation. Sure, let's dig in. Well, I'll keep this part short, but I'm I'm I can't believe I'm saying this. Twenty years in the industry, I guess my gray hair kind of like like that's the spoiler alert, right? But the twenty years in the industry, your hair is the best. It's like it's, it's you're great. sweet. Yes. <laughs> I, I have more airport conversations with people about that than that's anything. I swear. I think I've convinced many women in different airports to go for it, but thank you. And so I started out actually in venues. So at the risk of, I never want to offend those who have been amazing planners before. I never call myself a planner, but I was in venues in full service, five-star diamond property sort of situation. And, you know, but my background, my trainings in PR and decided in 2009 to combine those two things. I mean, it's a longer story that would require you and I drinking wine for me to like really you dig into like, I left a job unexpectedly. I started this two years earlier than expected, but mm-hmm. um, it was really, it, I wouldn't call it impulsive, it, but the closest to impulsive thing I've ever done versus, you know, everything else I do is very like timed and all this. And so started OFD. Um, I was moonlighting actually as a planner at the time. Like I, I jumped into some properties. I helped some planners in town, which I'm grateful for. And then got going with OFD. And we were really focused for a long time on real wedding submissions. Like we're a wedding public, excuse me, publicity team. So it's real wedding submissions. That was our jam for a long time. It still is, but that was like our primary focus. And then we dove into the world of getting people quoted, you know, and we were starting to work with a ton of writers and helping with that. And then from there, uh, thus grew, it was so interesting. Well, it was interesting to me and you're tied to that, of course, is one of the ways I got the word out about OFD over the last 14 years has been speaking. And so from that grew uh, the idea to become the founder of WeddingIndustrySpeakers.com as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're a small but mighty PR team where we focus a lot on not just, of course, the real wedding submissions are fantastic and we work with wonderful writers and all that. But the other side of it too is platforming people, you know, having people, like you said, industry leaders come to us, whether they're new to the industry leader scene or, or, you know, there's someone who's been around the block a few times and we help, you know, with them, not only just with placement, but also strategy, you know, what conference to be going to best practices for podcasts, things like that. And so, yeah, we're based in Richmond, Virginia. I don't know. Is there anything else? I mean, I'm a cat lady too, yeah, but no, I feel like I'm going to like piggyback off of what you just said. And okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Direction that we had originally said, but okay. When you talk about leaders coming to you, whether they be new or established yeah. or looking for strategy and whatnot, what is um, maybe like one just helpful tip for someone in that position? Where do they even start in having that conversation? And then, um, 
once let's say that they jump on with your team like what's a what, what does that look like in working with you yeah well first step if i may say and and it's so funny because you know, deciding that you're ready to take that step is very exciting, right? I want to be this industry leader. I want to be known. I want to be known for something. I might want to speak. That's an exciting time, right? But I always tell people, it's like, what you really need to do is pause and ask yourself why. I think Amber, people don't do that enough. And, and I always ask, like, we just go through the rigors of it. So I'll, yeah. you know, come to somebody and say, you know, Hey, uh, let's talk about, this is what you want to do. You want to be a speaker. Let's get into the why in that. And let me tell you why. And Amber, I know you're going to appreciate this too, is because <laughs> everybody wants, when they want to be an industry leader, everybody has a different reason for it. And I always tell people, I, I'm always like, listen, I don't mean to be a Scrooge McDuck about this, but it does have to be about the money at the end of the day. Like, like, cause some people come to me and say, well, I just want to explore it. Well, you know, some of them will even admit it's kind of an ego situation, or I see my friends out there and I think I should be doing it. And, and I, as long as they're honest with me, any answer, it, you know, just tell me your answer. Like anything is fine. Um, but the fact of the matter is at the end of the day, the industry as a whole, how do I say this? I've got, okay. I'm, you're known for just saying your piece lady. And that's what I'm going to do. The industry as a whole doesn't always value thought leaders in the way other industries do, right? We're not being paid big bucks to speak at all. Conferences often will waive registration fees and give us an audience and there's value to that. But, but in some instances, you're practically paying to play, you know, when it comes to that. Yeah. And so if you don't have an end game to that model where you can monetize it, for example, I have a wedding industry speakers course. I have a collective membership. Like if those things aren't available for you to sell and push your wares, then after a while you get really exhausted. You know yeah, what I mean? Like you're bankrolling yourself to all these conferences and it does yeah. get spendy. And I think too, I love that you said, let's start with asking why, um, because yeah. I think there are a lot of things that, you know, it seems glamorous, just like, mm -hmm. you know, being a wedding pro seemed glamorous when we watched Father of uh -huh. Bride, the wedding planner and all that. And then as we got into it, we realized, oh, this has a dirty side and a hard side. It is really yeah glamorous and fun and has, you know, um, I've been able to develop some really amazing relationships because of it and, yeah. you know, open some doors and opportunities and, you know, allow for conversations that our industry really need. Right. So I'm appreciative 100%. of that. There's also a lot of pressure and a lot of, um, I mean, the industry is honestly not very forgiving. So like one wrong word and you are, it's rough. And, um, yeah. And, and, and there's things to consider on, you know, okay, if I'm leaving my family and then I come yes. home to this implosion, like what you have to really weigh that. And and some of those yeah. risks are really worth it because we are able to create change and, and change uh -huh. is never created without getting uncomfortable, but yes. it's not just, I'm going to go speak. I'm going to get published in this article. There are real yeah. sacrifices involved. There has to be a sustainability to it. I mean, yeah. there are hard costs to everything. Let me give you a great example. Like you and I were just talking, I, you know, at the time of this recording, I'm fresh off of Nace Evolve in Reno. And I just got back from it last night and you know, it was pretty economical to go out there. I, I'm a partner of the organization. So I did waive my fee and that's a different, there were different reasons for that. Like I donate my time and it's fine, but there were hard costs to get out there. You know, the flight was 500, the hotel was cheap. But when I came back, I was just lamenting to you. I almost got stuck 
in Dallas overnight, like because of the snow unexpectedly. And I had to sit on a $425 hotel room, whether I needed it or not. And so people don't really, I mean, that's, that's a rarity, but there are hard costs associated mm -hmm. with it. And you have to be use the perfect term bankroll. How long are you going to bankroll this idea? And you absolutely yeah. can, if it's going to lead to something, you know, when you and I, I mean, we're lifting the veil on our relationship a bit, a bit, but when you were out on the road a little bit more, and even now I imagine getting the word out about refine, I mean, you're all about the conversations, but I would be remiss if it wasn't also about spreading the word about refine for yeah. me. It's about my membership. You know what I mean? Like, so if, if you don't have those things, or at least an idea of those things, it can get old fast because the ROI is not necessarily putting food on your table at the end of the day. Does that make yeah. sense? Again, I don't want to be a funnel. Yeah. Like money, money, money. But, um, you know, I, I think there are a lot of great reasons to stand out in and want to serve others and start those conversations, but it does get old quickly if you don't have yeah. a way to stay sustainable as a result yeah. of that. You know, it's funny. I feel like sometimes I'll go into a talk and I've got my funnel ready and I know like where to like pitch it just right. So, because you don't want to be salesy, um, and then I get into the talk and I'm just so passionate about the talk and, and what it's going to, you know, how it's going to serve who I'm speaking to. And then I totally yeah. forget about my funnel. And at the end of it, I'm like, well, I hope I helped someone at least because I didn't funnel myself. But yeah. Like, I mean, that's it's hard. Me. That's not yeah. me, but that is um, one reward of this is the passion. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, to your point, it's like that passion is not always sustainable because passion can get knocked out from under you. And that has happened to me before. I've been honest about that on the podcast mm -hmm. and in my community that like, you know, like I said a minute ago, you say one wrong word and it's unforgiving and um, it takes a minute and you kind of fill down and, yeah. um, you know, it's like, gosh, I just gave and gave and gave and Sure. You gotta, you have to hand select those. Like uh, I'll give you an example. So again, at the time of this recording, I was just the closing keynote at, so NACE is one of the large, for those who don't know the large um, industries, it, it's like an industry association for event professionals. Right. right. And so I've been a part of it for a hundred years. Like I love it. That whip all the things. And so I went out and developed a talk that I'll probably never give again. It was on creating a legacy as an association leader. There was no ROI. I had no final, no anything, but that's powerful. I have other yeah, but because I have a million other ways to get business, I chose this as a passion project. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like absolutely. it was my choice. It was almost therapeutic to go up there and really mm -hmm. give a lay of the land of what it was like to be with a president for two years and create a legacy and how it can be unexpected. And, and, you know, um, you know, it, it was really, it was actually therapeutic to be up there. But my point is like, I handsel, well, they, they selected me, of course, like meaning it wasn't my choice. They very kindly invited me, but it was my choice to pursue something that wasn't going to make me that money. But after a while, if you and I are the type of folks who can go out and most of the time funnel and create these audiences and book from it, we can hand select opportunities that mm -hmm. are like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you can't absolutely. Like, start there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't start by saying, oh, I'm just going to fly all over the country and spend $400 on a hotel. I'm not going to yeah. lose. I mean, it's Maybe. similar to, you know, here in Austin, there's um, a really cool event coming up for, um, it's a, a dance for special needs um, oh, adolescents. Geez. And so a lot of, you know, event pros are are jumping in and love, love, yeah, here's my limo. Here's my, let me come DJ. And of course, if that's hand-selected opportunity, those are hand-selected opportunities to give back yeah. to the community or to, you know, um, to just being able to better our 
our society as a whole. And for us as speakers, I think that there's something to be said for, um, you know, giving back to those yeah. that have, I, I am, I am nothing without my community. Right. So, yeah. um, it's really nice to, um, have those conversations when I know maybe there isn't an ROI other than we're mm-hmm. all better for having the conversation. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm definitely not knocking that. I just think that if no, you're not start like that and it, it's almost like you have to build the you have to build something sustainable so you can be that person and do that there are some people that start off by passion speaking because yeah. it's fun and 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 someone recognizes a, a strength or a passion in them and they say hey yeah. will you come you're you're in Austin come talk to the Ilia day of education sure. right here you love this and it's easy to do that and then more and more people hear that voice and it grows into the sustainable ROI thing. And that's where, Absolutely. you know, if, you, if you're starting organically that way, I would say latch on to OFD and wedding industry oh, speakers sweet. <laughs> because there's just so much education on, you know, contracts and proper conversations and, you know, making sure you don't get stuck with certain fees on the road um, because you can manage some of that. And then of course, like you said, there, there are going to be some that we just get stuck with. Um, yeah, absolutely. But- and, well, that's why I created my course, which I, I'm so thrilled about. We have so many great people coming in this this year. I do it once a year. And the course I'm doing, because it's like, well, if you want to have a voice in the industry, let's do it properly. Like, let's right. platform you properly so that you can have more choices, so that you aren't hosed by some opportunities. Because, it, you you know, what you said, Amber, was so interesting. You were like, you know, you can say one thing and it really bites you in the butt. Well, you could have one bad speaking thing and it could really bite you. Like, I hear about... Oh my God. I mean, just there are things you hear. And so that's why I feel very passionate. Like no matter what the why is, because that was kind of your first question. It's like, what do you do first? You ask, no matter what the why is, like, I'm here to give you my opinion on the why, but the person, the you, the royal you, it's up them at the end of the day to decide if this is the right way they want to go or not. And then it's like, well, I, whether I agree with your or not with your why, let's make sure we do it properly. So that's what we do. It's like, let, let's make sure we actually set you up for success, whatever success, because success as you and I have talked about in so many conversations looks very differently for people. Right. Yeah. No. And you're you're just like pulling back the curtain on the inside of OFD and WIS. I just, you're so efficient with your templates and the webinars that can be listened, that are recorded and can be listened to at any time in the library and um, office hours. And just, I just have always felt so supported and, um, you know, Thank at you. times you've seen me like really lead in and make those office hour calls. And other times I'm sure you can tell that I'm just doing something on the, in the back end and like mm-hmm. moving and grooving because you've gotten me and you've gotten me into a well-oiled machine where I know how to use your platform and find the information. And um, I appreciate that. So organized. You know, well, I love, I love that we're both membership ladies, but I consider you the membership lady. Like I always, it's not that I forget I have a membership. I know I do, but I, I was just thinking about this on a walk recently. I was thinking about you and Megan Gilligan. And I thought to myself, oh, isn't it funny? We all have these membership. What, how huh? interesting that we fell, we could not fell into it, but we landed here. And I often forget that all the things I've learned and I always thought oh, I should have, I, one day Amber and I, and maybe Mike will have an interesting conversation about what's it like to have a membership. Cause I had to like self-learn that just like, yeah. I mean, we went through Stu McLaren's, um, oh, did you? okay, well I'm self-taught. I'm, 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 I'm I so self-taught. 
mean, and admittedly, I and I've I've told you this before. There are aspects of the way that you do your men, your mentorship through your membership that I have adopted for the Refine Collective, like yes. the way we do office hours yep. and and I like I just I wouldn't have considered I love that. that. I don't I don't like they're fifteen minutes and that can feel like what's the point? But I just remember every time I meet with you, even for fifteen minutes, I walk away with oh my gosh, like just light bulbs go off. And two, that time, that amount of time forces you to get to the point and it mm-hmm. allows you to walk away with the immediate action item instead of like having spent an hour together creating this massive long list, which also serves a purpose, but yes. I can schedule those calls and do my action item and then follow back up and then do the next action item and have support along the way. Um mm-hmm. And so I adopted that model and I just, I, that is the fate, that is my favorite part of uh, the refinery. Can I tell you the funniest thing? Do you know who, did I ever tell you who came up with the office hours? Like this uh-huh. is, okay. So my web designer came up and my web developer, Sharif. Oh, so I, so when I started OFD and again, everything was like self-taught. I thought it was a great idea, but I didn't want to, at the time of it, I mean, full disclosure, I was going to have to self-finance it for about $13,000, which is going to be the cost of like creating this place from scratch and all this stuff when I, I got all of this. And so I tested everything. Like I did, I had a beta tester group of like 50 or 60 people, all these things. And the office hours, when I was talking to my web developer, Sharif, who still does all three of my websites, he actually had, no, he's not in the wedding and event industry. I'm like the only one in his, you know, whatever. He works with a lot of corporate PR companies, things like that. And we talked about the membership. We sat down, went through the whole thing. And he goes, I, he goes, yeah, you should do like office. I mean, he just said it. He's like, yeah. yeah, we have office hours for like his web developer groups and things like that. And I thought, oh, that's brilliant. But do you remember, I don't know if you would remember this. It used to be a free for all. It was two hours and people oh, yeah, could just sign right. on. That was such a dumb idea. Why did I do that? But I didn't know. So people were coming in and out and all this. And some people get like 35 minutes and some people get 30 seconds. So once we adjusted it to the 15 minute increments, and I think recently you will notice that we've adjusted it again, where people actually have to like literally tell us what they want to cover and send because like people were signing up saying, I don't know. And I was like, this is not productive, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do you structure yours? Like are yours- Uh, yeah, the, like I like once a week I have, you know, a two or three hour block. And uh-huh. then um Haley does one month, I do the next month. She does we just rotate. Um, but so that way it's spread across the team and we're all getting, you know, everyone has access to different viewpoints. But mm-hmm. um I find I find it really helpful for our business owners to be able to talk to Haley from the perspective of Oh, I love that. The associate. Um, there's just so much um there's so much power in being able to ask person you've hired, like these questions. So, um, mm-hmm. so we trade off and then, um, yeah, everyone gets a 15 minute block. And then similar to what you do, if no one signs, if someone signs up and then the next slot is empty, no one signed up, I'm happy to continue, you know, until the next That's person. I am too. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. if someone might get 30 minutes and then I do a lot. I give away a lot of stuff in that. Like if someone takes the time to sign up, when we have a good conversation and I have a resource, even mm-hmm. that's like a paid resource in my refined shop that applies to what we're talking about, I mm-hmm. most often just give it to them. I just want to see their success. And um, I, I want to set them up for being able to, to do what we talked about. And so it's yeah. worth it to me to, to do that. And I think it's just a perk of, it's, it's one of the way I incentivize people to use that. Um, 
And then, um, and I do, they can sign up with a topic or um, a get to know you because we have, oh, yeah, you know, okay. um, those that um, have, I like for our first session to always be like a little bit of a get to know you, unless someone's like coming in hot with a fire and we can absolutely address that, but it allows me over time to understand, you know, the context. And so, um, yeah, I would rather them usually with planning specifically, even if they sign up two weeks in advance without like a particular fire, there's always something mm -hmm. to talk about, but, um, I Absolutely. do encourage them to just keep a running list of, you know, at this wedding, I would have loved to have talked this out with someone. It's not a fire, but it's just, have I ever talked that out with anyone? And that way, when they show up to office hours, they can pull from that list of just, let's talk about it. So, okay. I have two things I want us to cover really, but we can, we're going to fly through them. Okay. Something you said earlier is leader, doer, manager. And I feel like oh, yeah. you're such an amazing doer. So I want to talk about that. And then last thing I want to talk about is um, PR jams. Um, because I Terika uh, posted, or I saw it this morning. I don't know when she posted it. Um, I saw one of her Instagram posts this morning that I loved. And I'm always like, I love Terika's Instagram. If you're not following Terika on Instagram, you're missing out. She's just such a power. So lovely. Um, and I want to reference one of her post here in a second. So talk to me about being a doer. Like how, like, I feel like you, um, you're not glued to your emails. You are absolutely traveling and like, not at your you're computer, fine. but I you like respond immediately all the time. And I'm always like, Oh my gosh, I feel like the how do you you're fine no I you're so funny I get I love that I give the impression I'm not tied to my email. I love it. No, I'm you just are, very like not. I don't know. You just do no, so no. I'll take it as the highest of compliments. I'll be perfectly honest. So, you know, one of the things, you know, we're talking about offline was how, well, obviously the pandemic changed all of us, but one of the things that was very evident to me is that there are in our world, right? We have doers and managers and leaders, right? It, it, you, you're, there are three things. This doesn't mean you're just one, but you know, you no, just no, kind of, of course not. and so for me during the pandemic, when more of my funds had to be towards other people working for me, because I was in literal virtual school. My son has an IEP. And so between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. every day, I mean, I sat next, I learned second grade math again. I mean, that, that, that was all I could do. It was awful. Yeah. And so I found myself in a position where I was managing more. Now, as a business owner, as you know, as an industry leader, you are a leader by nature and by you, I mean, all of us, right? There, there's hints of that. There's no way you, you can't own a company and not have, be a leader. I mean, yes. But what I found was I, I despise being a manager. Like I don't like managing, I love my team. I love my team. I don't like looking over someone making a contract and having to fix things. I don't yeah. like you like, trust everyone don't. to do their job. Yeah, I am a doer. Like I, I would rather any. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I have CEO days and CEO vacations and all that, and that's great for them. And like, I see the benefit of like workations. Like you've taught me things like that. And I'm not knocking those, but for me, I would rather be in the trenches working with writers from the New York Times. Like I'll always yeah. be a publicist at heart. That is where I'm happiest. Period. Yeah. And so. I had to, as you and I were talking about, I rebuilt things over the last couple of years because I spent two years doing a heavy, heavy management. And I'm like, I'm just not happy doing this. And I, I reworked my team. I brought in more VAs who could do more automated stuff. We built more automations so that I wasn't spending as much. So it, and it gave me the freedom to be on the road. Now, um, mm -hmm. You know, right now it's like one of those things. It's kind of one of these interesting weeks where we have people in and out and right. And, and that is, it goes back to, that is a stressful thing. You know, when you have to lean on even a great team, you've got to lean on other people. It's like, oh my yeah. God, 
you know, it yeah. is stressful, even with the best team. So yeah, I don't know. I'm more of a, a doer at the end of the day. And, um, you know, my email is the best portal for me. And so I do have some management strategies for that. And admittedly, there's some people I do a quick and dirty response and some it's going to take longer, but it's just, uh, you know, you got to build in time for it. But yeah, I, I can, I think it's more of a, cause I do feel very tied to my email. So I appreciate your, I'll take that, like I said, as a compliment, but I think I've learned how to be as remote as possible, but I'm also the only person on a plane at 10 o'clock at night working. You know what I mean? So yeah, everybody totally. else is asleep. And as far as like quick and dirty responses, your quick and dirty one-liners are still like friendly, you know, like, yes, at 7 PM. And you just feel like a robot responded. Like I never, sense that from you even if those are the only words you typed there's just because you allow office hours and you have video and you've shown your personality like that comes across and I think that you've been a leader you've done well in leadership in that way so that when you, you can be efficient in the doing because mm -hmm. people know your tone um well it you know I think I learned with WIPA if I may say so for the uninitiated wedding international professional association association for Wedding pros, I was present last couple of years, but before that VP and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it, and, you know, you're dealing with people in four time zones and who need all the things. And I finally got to a point where, you know, I allowed myself to be available on Voxer. And, you know, if I have someone who writes me at like, you know, nine o'clock East coast and get upset, I don't get in touch. It's like, listen, I'm available 7am to 6pm. You know, if you can't get in touch with me Eastern time, which is pretty flexible, right? If you can't get that's 11 hours a day, if you can't find a way to make that timing work, it's not about my availability. It's more about your ability, inability to manage time. Mm -hmm. That's what the problem yeah. is. It's not not on me. Like, yeah. So I think it's drawing those boundaries too. It's like, this is the best way to get into back in touch. And but 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 as you and I both know, very fair too. It's like office hours and Voxer and things like that. you and I are Voxers, right? We go on and do that, but it's, you know, offering enough accessibility. So it doesn't seem um, like I'm not, I, how do you put it? I don't want to seem too closed off. I want, some yeah. people may look and say it's too many boundaries, but it's like, well, I've given you the very best I can. And, and if it's yeah. not enough, you and I have learned over time that sometimes Okay, so let's dive in real quick to this uh, Terika thing. I don't know if you saw it, but um, I know you love Terika and adore uh, her. her. So what she was posting basically is just kind of, I think she was posting an encouragement to those that might have um, been blasted or feel gossiped about. And she's kind of just saying, consider the source and also respond with grace or don't respond at all and learn a little something from Beyonce. And she is the example of, you know, yeah. There were so many rumors about her and an alleged affair and like all these different things. And she just never gave anyone time of the day on that. She just kept moving. And so yeah. what is your, and I just, I just love that whole entire post, but um, talk to me about like PR jams and, you know, when you find it appropriate to simply have a private conversation with someone versus um, other people did here, maybe something sure. that was said Ever. And so sure, maybe you had the private conversation with the person that impacted most in that room, but like, mm -hmm. then do you go make a statement or email the group or like, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. No, that's a great question. So, and of course it, it varies. Right. And, and here's the thing, the one thing I've learned about like PR and I would call it like crises on our side of some sort, right? Right. It's a bigger deal to the person it's happening to than it is to anybody else by leaps and bounds. So I think yeah. it's almost like when someone gets a bad review on Wedding Wire, right? 
and they panic. And I'm like, if you realistically think about it, how many people are going to see that in the next three days? Like almost no. I mean, if you look at your website traffic, even in your business month, so you can pause and think about what to do, you know, because I think we yeah. panic and all this stuff. We had um someone a couple of years ago who who put WIPA on blast and everyone was very like, it's going viral. And I'm like, well, okay, calm down. Viral means millions of people see it. And, and if this person has a substantial audience, but it's not all wedding, but like, like calm down for a second. So I always say to people, yeah, it's very like, consider the source first and foremost, sometimes like there are going to be times when a, a non-response is the response and that's okay. You don't want to feed things. So I think the first thing people need to do is first of all, calm down. Like, cause for the most part in our industry, we're in this bubble and it seems like a bigger deal than it really is. You'd be surprised more often than not when someone comes to me and said, you probably have already heard about, like I had someone come to me a couple of days ago. You've probably already heard X that happened in WIPA. I'm like, I haven't heard about it at all. Like we don't, yeah. I think we all are a little ego driven in the most, like, even, even in the, even in the least ego filled person we think you probably heard about, well, no, I did none of us, like we're in our own bubble. So you got to consider the source and yeah. you consider is, is it perceived? Everybody knows, or really, are we all just very busy and truly don't like, like, you know, if Tarika yeah which I don't think she is, but if she's referring to like anyone saying something about her, I've never heard anything said about Tarika. And she and was more or less encouraging people that have gotten bad reviews and things like oh, that. Oh, got it, got it, got it. But like, it's if really somebody general. said, yeah, because like, I've never had about, heard a bad word about her. You know what I mean? Like, it, and so it's, it's kind of one of those, don't panic, consider the source. 95% of the time in our industry, it needs to be dealt with personally and not out in public. Because when you blast it on public, you're like, you guys have probably heard. Well, guess what? No one's probably heard. Now everyone has. <laughs> and now everyone has. Now you've given them a megaphone. And, you know, it's one of those things that I, I had to learn with what happened in WIPA a couple of years ago was just like, it. I tried to handle it privately because I felt that was the the person who wanted to handle it with me wanted to make a public display about it, but I felt that was highly inappropriate considering the sensitive nature of it. And so for um, me, I tend to feel that things, I, I almost think a statement is never necessary in our industry. I genuinely don't, unless something is accusatory uh, that is like illegal, I don't think, we, and then you bring a lawyer in. Otherwise, um, I yeah. do think that, you know, as a publicist, I think most things shouldn't be out in public because the minute you bring it out in public, way more people know than they actually did. I think it's just our... We all, we, we are all people pleasers. We all panic. We all think people are talking and I don't know. I don't, I also don't, let me tell you, I don't surround myself very much with people who are talking all the time. So maybe I'm just in the wrong part of the industry where we don't, I had no. a few days ago, I'll tell you, um, like I, I have to keep it very like ambiguous here, but, but I had, there was kind of like, someone came up to me and said, oh my God, I heard that this person doesn't like, and it was so funny because I don't live in that. And I was like, this is like the most childish thing. What are you going to do about it? I was like, nothing. Like I'm not going to do anything about it. Like I'm too busy. I'm running, I'm running a business. I have a family. Like I, I'm going to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna get a Does that help? I don't know. The publicist doesn't, yeah. you've got the publicist. I do. Yeah, it's personal. I, it's, it is. It feels personal. And I think that when people, let's go to the bad review thing, for example, okay, um, especially those that like social blast it and like yeah. they, they put the same bad review on like every platform and maybe they bring in all their friends. That to me is like, there's probably a statement involved like somewhere, maybe little, but like, um, but I think keep it short and brief. And I, and I, 
you know, I, I'm asked a lot, like, how do I respond to like people want to want my help with their bad reviews? And over and over and over again, I want to just say, it's not a big deal. Here's your three sentences. Let it go. Mm-hmm. But that can, but I remember being in those shoes where it's just like it rocks you. And for like 48 hours, you're just like completely shattered. You can't think about anything else. It's an absolute time suck. Sure. It's an emotional blow. And so there's no way to tell someone like, it's fine. Like just here, just respond and keep moving. Um, but yeah, you know, you've seen so many cycles of ups and downs in PR and then bad reviews. And I can look back and know that like, it really actually doesn't matter in hindsight. And like, just try to encourage people like down the road, you will laugh about it. But and that's the thing is, I think at the end of the day, there's more good than bad, right? At, you know, when people yeah. get feedback, things like that, and it's easy to panic. I think the best thing people can do is if there's a bad review, if there's something that said that's negative, you, you know, first of all, you you do handle it privately and you ask yourself, what can I glean from this? What can I glean from mm-hmm. this? You know, a bunch of years ago, 2013, I did my first, I don't know why this is all about NACE today. I didn't mean it to be, but it was NACE experience. I was three months postpartum, double spanks up on stage doing my talk. And I got these reviews and they were mainly positive, but one person said anonymously with no constructive feedback, said I was the worst speaker they've ever heard in their life. And now that could have like eaten away at me, especially the hormones at that mm-hmm. point. But, and, and I thought, well, what can I glean from this? What can I do differently? And I put my head down and did the good work. No, did, were the reviews seen by nay staff in the education committee? Yeah, but okay. Like they also saw all the positive ones. You know, yeah. it's a bad review as a whole. Like, what can I glean from it? And then you put your head down and do the good work. Like people care more about themselves than they care about others in that sense. Like, yeah. I remember that with like my first surveys back from Wedding MBA and TSC yeah. and all that stuff. Like, they're all so great. And then you do, you have like a negative Nancy here or there and there. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get invited back. And like, you know, I don't dwell on that, but I'm just kind of like, you know, you just wonder. And then next thing you know, they're like, so for next year, let's do it. I'm like, oh, like, and they really don't, they understand and see that like, there is a negative Nancy in every room. Yeah. And um, you can still glean from it. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means you've got to right. take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? So yeah, I would say as a whole, like, first of all, I just don't, I guess I tune, tune it out. Like I don't, I don't tune out constructive feedback. Of course I want to do better, course. but if someone's going to gossip and be negative, it's like, they're, they're just not worth it to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess you, if you don't fuel the fire, it goes away pretty quickly. And I think it's because I live in a, the world of media. I vacillate between the hospitality industry and the media. The media is a 24 hour news cycle. I mean, the news is gone in five seconds. It's like, if you can oh, yeah. learn from it, head down, move on. Okay. Like think of all the time your people waste, just like worrying what other people say about them, you know? Yeah. Well, and I will say that that for, you know, anyone listening that maybe is in that position right now, I'm just feeling so beat down. It's an, it's a learned, like that's a muscle that size and grown over yep. time. And that first bad review or that first, you know, smear campaign is going to it's going to really suck. It does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, definitely empathetic to that and like not dismissing that. And it's easy of for course. me to sit here and say, like, keep moving because I have exercised that muscle and I have, you know, spent a week dwelling on something before to, to then learn that it actually was okay. One time I found a bad review two years after it was written. And I was like, I kind of laughed. I was like, oh, I guess oh, it didn't that affect didn't me. Really. Yeah, no, and I yeah. just dismiss if someone is a part of a smear camp. I've just never experienced such a dramatic we're starting thing to see where like they're pulling their wedding party into stuff, and there, there's that's a conversation to have. And I, oh, I, absolutely, I just, 
So, you know, but for those of you listening that are feeling discouraged right now, like Mm -hmm. just know that that, you know, it is a process to get there, but you can do it. And we're here to support you on that. So absolutely. um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, this was helpful information today. I love chatting with you always. Yay, um, me too. I'm so glad that you joined the podcast today. And uh, and so grateful that you have been a back-to-back sponsor for Conference Confident the of last course, year. Of course, my so pleasure. Um, but so tell, as we wrap up, tell people where they can find you. Best way to find me is at OFDConsulting.com. That leads to everywhere else. I'm OFD Consulting over at Instagram. Don't spend too much time finding me on TikTok yet because I'm still trying to find my way over there, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I just I'm I'm there watching cat videos mainly. But otherwise, I'm right. So yeah, that's where you can mainly find me though. And yeah, OFDConsulting.com. So I'm so grateful, Amber, as always, for this, of course, as well as your friendship. Yes. All right. Well, refiners, we will catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in.